Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages and inspires you to follow Jesus a little more closely in the week ahead than in the one just passed. And if it does, I'm gonna ask you to do two things. First, smash that share button. Send it to whoever you think might be blessed by it. And then two, I wanna invite you guys to give to supporting this ministry. We exist because of the generous support of people just like you who have moved from just consuming from the kingdom into contributing to its advancement. If you want to do that, head over to cfmiami.org slash give and follow the instructions right there on the screen. Enjoy this teaching. Amen. Hey, can we encourage our worship teams that are across all camps? Come on, let them hear it. And family, I am so grateful that they sang that song, that we will wait on the Lord. Because today we're going to be learning from God's Word how a family who trusts in the Lord always waits on God. Can we praise God this morning? Amen. Hey, so welcome everyone. So good to see you across all of our campuses. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want to welcome everyone right now watching us live on our YouTube channel, as well as all of our campuses, uh, from Doral uh, to Coral Gables, West Kendall, Redland, Homestead, here at Palmetto Bay, and a special shout out to our brand new campus, a global campus in Puerto Rico, CF Dorado. Can you give it up for them right now? Let them hear them right now, come on. Hey, we love you, thank you for joining us today. It's amazing what God is doing in our midst. Uh, God bless you all in Puerto Rico, and so, man, I am ready and excited to dive into God's Word. I hope you are as well, and uh, so wherever you find yourself, let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 15, and also Genesis chapter 16. So wherever you find yourself, you can follow along with me, right? Listen to what God's Word says. It says, after these things... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And then you fast forward to Genesis chapter 16, and, and it says this, Now Sarai and Abram's wife had borne him how, much, how many children? No children. How many? No children. No children. In other words, Sarah and Abraham went into a season of waiting on God's promise. Amen? That is God's word. You could go into Casita, everybody at all campuses. It's so good to see you today. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, back in the 80s and 90s, the time when I was growing up, uh, you know, online shopping, online shopping was something that was rarely done for two reasons. First of all, sh shipping always took a long time, right? It took two, three weeks, a month, whatever the case it was. And shipping was always very expensive. And so if you recall, if you were in around that time, right, online, sh uh, online shopping was only reserved for those rare occasions where you had no choice but to buy it online, right? And so me as a person, listen, I rarely, if ever, 
shopped online. But folks, I got to tell you, listen, like many of you, I am a changed man. Oh, yeah. I've been converted by Amazon, right? I've been converted by Amazon because I now feel like I only shop online. And here's why. It's because back in 2005, Amazon came out with this thing called Amazon what? Yeah, yeah. And we, we all know Amazon Prime. And here's what's cool about Amazon Prime. It offered for the first time two-day shipping, which meant that you can go anywhere on your smartphone, find whatever you needed on the computer, and in two days, you had it right there in your doorstep. And best of all, it was free what? Free shipping. And, and, and folks, everyone started migrating to this. And folks, Amazon kept keeps pushing the envelope because now they have next day delivery. They offer in some items same day delivery. In some things, they offer two hour delivery. All right. And get this, now they're transitioning to free 30-minute delivery through drone. Oh, yeah, take a look. Pretty cool, right? And folks, believe it or not, this year, they're actually testing this in Northern California. And who knows, in a few years, we're going to have drones flying everywhere. I cannot wait to see a palmetto. Yeah, filled with drones, right? But folks, here's what's interesting about all that. You know, now whenever I go into another site that is not Amazon, and they don't have two-day shipping, I got a bad taste in my mouth. And if they even dare to charge me shipping, yeah, now I'm insulted. Do you, do you feel like that, right? And, and so folks, think about it. If you think about it, Amazon has single-handedly moved a generation that was okay with waiting. We're waiting for things to a generation that does not want to wait for anything. And if they want to wait, they have to wait for anything, they don't like it, and they are upset. And folks, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today because I thought to myself, how easy is it for the children of God to push on this type of mentality over on to God? And, and by that, I mean that just like people now don't like to wait, and they hate waiting for anything, and just like that. And here's the main idea as we open up God's word today. You know, there are many believers who want a God 
who responds to their request instantly. And they hate waiting on God for things. In other words, if God is so powerful, if God is so good, if God is so sovereign, then he should respond and he should act to my request and to his promises immediately. And here's what happens. Listen, when he doesn't respond like Amazon does, same day, instantaneously, quickly, when they see that God is not responding and acting the way they think God should respond, they begin to lose faith in the Lord. You know, maybe for you right now, one of our campuses, maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a relationship, something with your marriage. Maybe it's something at work, a financial health. Something's going on in your life. And the more that you're waiting on God to act, to intervene, to fulfill his promises to you, when you don't see him do what you expect him to do, you begin to lose faith in the Lord. So you're probably sitting here wondering, Omar, listen, I'm, I've been waiting on God for certain things in my life for a long time. And Omar, I, I want to wait on God. But how can my faith, how can I keep my faith strong while I wait on our good Lord? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from an Old Testament story as we go through the book of Genesis of Abraham and Sarah. All right? So if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 16. And that you can follow in our listening guides as well as in our app. And today I have three important reminders on what we should do as we wait on the Lord. Christ Fellowship, are you ready to dive into God's Word this morning at our campuses? Yeah? So here's the first thing we need to remember. Write this down as point number one. That God's promises always require us to wait on Him. Amen? In fact, listen to what God's Word says. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him how many children? No children. Now stop right there and slip into the scene for a moment. Because we are now 10 years removed from that moment at the beginning of this series, right? Just several, year, uh, several weeks ago, where God had told Abraham and Sarah to leave the city called Haran, if you recall, and to travel to the land of Canaan, a land that God had for him and his family. And so 10 years ago, they left that city came to the land of Canaan, and now, listen, it's also been 10 years, 10 long years, where God made this outlandish promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son, that he would become a great nation, and that all the families on earth will be blessed through their son. Mind you, when God gave that promise 10 years ago, they were already 75 years old. And so think about it. At that moment, the moment they got that promise, they began to try to have a child. And day after day, they tried. Nothing happened. Months passed. Nothing happened. A year passed. Nothing happened. Three years passed. Nothing happened. Five years passed. Nothing happened. Eight years have passed. Nothing happened. And now we are on our 10th year. 
And that promise that God gave to them 10 years ago is looking awfully foolish at that time, at that, by then. So Abraham and Sarah had been waiting on the Lord to fulfill his promise for a long time. And folks, it's interesting that when we read God's word, listen, rarely are any of the promises that we read fulfilled immediately. In fact, most of the promises of God are either fulfilled later on in our life or a good portion of his promises to us are fulfilled in the next life. But here's what happens. The reality is that a family who trusts in the Lord, a family who has strong faith in the Lord must always wait on the Lord. Amen? But folks, listen, as a family who trusts the Lord, as they wait on the Lord, listen, we all face one great temptation. And here it is. Write this down. It's big number two. You see, while a family waits, they are tempted to take matters into our own hands. In fact, let's go back to the text. Listen to what it says. It says, so Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. So she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. So go into my servant, that it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived 10 long years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And so folks, notice what happened here. After 10 years, there was a moment where Sarah looked into the mirror and she saw the gray hairs beginning to increase. She saw her face being covered in wrinkles. She saw the aches of pain of age begin to become more and more and more prevalent. And folks, at that moment, listen, she had a crisis of faith. And she said, well, if God's not going to fulfill his promises, then I must take action. I must take matters into my own hands. And folks, this crisis of faith, that little moment, led her to tell her husband to take another wife and to have sexual relationships with that other woman. Now, folks, think about this. See, the reality is that when we are faced in moments of a crisis of faith. and We're waiting on God. We're always tempted to take matters into our own hands. So the question that I want to pose for us today is this. What is an area in your life today that you are tempted to take matters into your own hands? Hey, for some of us, you know, we've been single for a long time. Truth be known, you, you're lonely. You, you want someone. But God has told you, listen, you can find all your satisfaction in me. Don't worry. I will bring someone to you at the appointed, at the right time. But listen, you don't want to wait on God. And you are tempted now to date someone who you know is not God's best for you. For some of us, we're having marriage issues. 
And instead of letting God work in your spouse's life, listen, what you do is that you take matters into your own hands. You start yelling and screaming and doing all these actions in hope that your actions could change your spouse. For some of us, we may have someone in our life that is not a believer in Christ yet, and you want them to, but you've been tired of waiting on God. So in let, instead of letting God, who is the author of our salvation, do what he's going to do in that person's heart at the right time, you start shoving the gospel down their throat, hoping that by your force, they're going to come to know Christ. Maybe you were wronged. Maybe you were betrayed. And God's word says, listen, beloved, those who I love, never avenge yourself. Leave it to me. But yet, you don't want to wait on God. So you take matters into your own hands, and you get back at that person with an email, with a word, with an action. Why? Because you're tempted. You, don't want, you want to be sure that you settle the score, and they don't get away with it. For some of us, you know, we've been faithfully trusting God in our finances, honoring the Lord, giving back to him. But the moment that there's a slight downturn or uncertainty in your finances, instead of continuing to honor the Lord with your giving, you say, you know what? I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to hoard the, I'm gonna hoard everything and I'm not going to give. Why? Because you're tempted to control your old destiny. You see, you're tempted to take matters into your own hands. But folks, here's the issue. The moment that we sin and we take matters into our own hands, listen carefully, it always causes more harm than good. Isn't that right? In fact, write this down as letter A. Taking matters into your own hands always have immediate consequences. In fact, listen to what happens next. It says, and when he went into Hagar, speaking of Abraham, she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with what, church family? What is it? Yeah, with contempt on her mistress. So, so folks, notice, Sarah's crisis led Abraham, the father of faith, to also have a crisis of faith to the point that Abraham ends up sleeping with another woman. Then she conceives, she's with child, and now what do we see? Now we see there's tension in the home. There's jealousy, there's contempt, and there's this tension. There's all these bad feelings brewing up in the home, and here's what happens next. Listen, they actually start turning on each other. In fact, listen to verse 4. It says, and Sarah said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave you my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge you between you and me. Isn't that crazy? And folks, what do we see? They start blaming each other. They start screaming at each other, going back at each other. And folks, if you think about it, isn't that what happens so often? When we don't trust the Lord, when we don't obey the Lord, and when we take matters into our own hands and things don't go the way that you expected them to go, what happens? We start blaming each other. In fact, if you analyze 
the arguments, the fights that we have at home, have you noticed that most of our arguments is blaming each other? This happened because you did this. No, I did this because you did this. And you go back and forth, back and forth, blaming one another. And folks, how could you not? Why? Because when you don't trust God and you take matters into your own hands, things never end up the way you think they'll end up. Isn't that right? And folks, not only do we quickly experience the consequences of sin immediately, but also write this down to their B, taking matters into your own hands have lasting, lasting consequences. Now folks, listen to what happens next. And Abram said to Sarai, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So folks, this poor girl, Hagar, is now in the middle of this family drama. She has now, she's now pregnant, and now there's this chaos at home, and it causes her to flee this poor young girl pregnant into the wilderness, basically to die in the wilderness. And so folks, this In a few weeks, actually, listen, we're going to start a series, not next week, but the following week called The God Who Sees. We're going to see a powerful story of what God does in the middle of that wilderness with this poor girl named Hagar. It's going to be a really interesting uh, uh, series. But folks, here's what I want you to know. In the middle of that wilderness, as she's fleeing, God intervenes and makes a prophecy about that little boy whose name would be Ishmael, who's in her womb. And listen to what God says in verse 12. It says, The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. But folks, listen to what he says next about this boy. And he shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all of his kinsmen. So what do we see? God tells Hagar, listen, because that little little boy, Ishmael, is Abraham's son, I'm also going to bless him, and I'm going to make him into a multitude of people. But the descendants of this young boy, are going to be warrior-type people, people who are always in conflict. There's always going to be issues with the descendants of Ishmael. And so, folks, if you start looking at the family tree, something very interesting develops when God decrees something, it always takes place. So, for example, just to recall, if you see the family tree, we have Abraham, and eventually, we're going to get there, but eventually, Sarah does have a son whose name was Isaac, And then Hagar had the boy named Ishmael. Here's what happens. If you start looking at the descendants of of, of Isaac and Ishmael, for Isaac is the people of Israel, and the descendants of of Israel is the descendants of Isaac, and, and the descendants of Ishmael are the Amalekites. And folks, that's one of the people groups, but if you read through Scripture, in the Old Testament, As the people of God are leaving Egypt, heading towards a promised land, folks, the Amalekites were always fighting against the people of Israel. 
In fact, if you look throughout the Old Testament history, the descendants of Ishmael were always at war, almost like a thorn in the flesh of the people of Israel. And folks, if you keep even going further, even to modern day, listen, things are still the same. Because listen, the descendants of Isaac are still the nation of Israel, but the descendants of, Ish- of, of Ishmael are actually the Arab people, a good portion of them. And folks, I don't have to tell you, when you turn on a television, you see to this day, the people of Israel and many of the Arab people are what? They are against each other. Isn't that right? And not only that, but even within themselves. Listen, there are always conflicts among their people. It's interesting. Every time I go visit my father in the Mediterranean, uh, he gets all those satellite uh, channels from the Middle East. And I get to see the constant conflict that the people of that region are always with against each other. And folks, here is what I want to highlight. I want to highlight that little moment where Sarah had that crisis of faith had lasting effects. That even when you turn on that television and you see all that conflict in the Middle East, it could be traced back to this moment where Sarah had that crisis of faith. And folks, listen. It's the same with us because even when we take matters into our own hands, listen, we not only see the same effects in our own family life, but can I tell you, it starts heading down the road. In fact, some of the things that you may have scars in your life today are things from maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that even if you experience forgiveness, even if there was some sort of reconciliation, you still are experiencing the after effects of those moments where people did not trust in God and took matters into their own hands. And so the reality is, is that when we sin, when we don't trust God, it not only has immediate consequences, folks, what? It has lasting consequences. So here is what God's word is reminding us today. Write this down as big number three. And that is that God promises to act for those who wait. Can I get an amen to that? In fact, listen to what God's word says. A beautiful promise in the book of Isaiah. It says this. It says, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who what, church? Wait. You could do better than that. That what? Wait. That, that wait for him. Folks, what an amazing promise that the Lord acts for those of his who wait on him. And folks, do not miss this because it is in our waiting that our God does his deepest work in your heart. It is in our waiting that not only is the Lord sanctifying us, right? Helping us become more and more like Christ. But it is in the waiting that our good Lord is teaching us to trust in, on him more and more and more. And folks, listen, if you are in a season of waiting, 
in whatever situation in life, listen carefully, your good heavenly father knows exactly what's going on in your life. Listen, when you cry, when you are in those dark moments, when you are in those moments with anxiety, the Lord is right there with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Why? Because he is a good God that will lead us through every season in life. And so listen, child of God, you stay trusting in God because there's a purpose for it. And you know, one day when this life is done and we start seeing how God fulfilled all his promises, we're going to say, thank God. We waited for the Lord every single step of the way. Why? He is faithful. Can we praise God to that, for that? And so you're probably wondering, well, Omar, listen, I want to wait on God. I want to wait on the Lord throughout my life. And so what are some practical steps that we can take as families to be able to trust God? Well, here's some things. Write this down as letter A. Here's my first suggestion. First of all, something so simple but so important. First of all, pray as a family. Listen, whatever situation you find yourself, listen, my encouragement is that as a family, whatever your family looks like, that you stop for a moment and you pray. You know, it's sad to say that when we go through hard moments in life, we can talk about the issue that we're going through and nauseam. You know how it is? Sometimes when we're worried, when we're anxious about the family issue, financial issue, whatever situation, we can talk at nauseam and somewhere in the conversation we'll say, well, you know, let's just trust in the Lord. He's faithful. But you don't know what I've noticed? For so many families, they always talk about a faithful God, but they never pray to the faithful God. One person agrees with that, right? Let me, let me say that again. Listen, so many times we talk about how faithful God is, about how wonderful God is, but we never pray to the faithful God. And folks, listen, that's so important because, listen, in our prayer time is where God refuses with strength to be able to, to stay waiting on the Lord. Amen? And fathers, I want to challenge you. You know, in this series, man, my heart is for you fathers, the men of this church, because I believe when we have strong men and fathers who are spiritual leaders, we'll have strong families. And when we have strong families, we'll have a strong church. Amen? And so, fathers, listen, I've been challenging you. Listen, remind, I want to remind you, you are the spiritual leaders of the family. Being a spiritual leader doesn't mean that you need to be some sort of theologian or some sort of spiritual giant or know every verse in Scripture memorized. It doesn't mean that. It means that as a spiritual leader, you set the priorities. You ensure that certain things are done in the home. And let me tell you, when there's something going on in your life, with your family, with your children, with your, with your wife, and you're all talking about it, and you can sense there's a little bit of anxiousness about the issue, listen, you as a father say, you know what, fam? Why don't we just stop and pray for just a moment? And listen, you don't even have to pray. You can ask someone in your family to pray. But here's the thing. You, as the man of the home, the spiritual leader, you say, you know what? Let's stop for a moment and let's just pray. And I am telling you, it will be such a tremendous blessing for your family when you lead in this way. Can we encourage the fathers and the men of this home? 
The second thing I want to suggest to you, write this down as letter B, is to encourage each other to trust God in moments of weakness. You see, folks, the big mistake that Abraham committed here was when he saw his wife have a crisis of faith, what do we see? It says, and Abram what? What did it say? Yeah, and he listened to the voice of Sarah. In other words, he went along with it. He encouraged her crisis of faith. And what he should have said, listen, Sarah, sweetheart, listen, I know it's been a long time. I know we're getting older, but our God is faithful. You know, remember when we left Canaan? Remember when we went through all that wilderness and that happened and that happened and God was faithful? And for the last 10 years, we've been here and he's provided for us. How can he not be faithful here? Let's stay trusting the Lord, sweetheart. We won't regret it. That's what he should have said. But instead, he went along and he encouraged her crisis of faith. And so my encouragement for us as families is to be vigilant. Whenever you see a child, whenever you see a a spouse, whenever you see your parents, whenever you see someone in your family start to get anxious, start to have their own little crisis of faith and fear, that's when you step in and you say, listen, don't worry. Let's stay trusting God. He is a sovereign God. He's not going to leave us. Let's stay calm. Let's wait on the Lord. Amen? Because, folks, listen, we're all human. We're all going to have crisis of faith. Listen, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I'm perfect. Listen, I'm just like you. There's moments in my life that I get anxious, that I get worried. Something going on here at church, something going on in the family, something's going on. And, folks, I have moments where I get weak in my faith, but by the grace of God, God has given me a wife and also a mom who when they see me going through the moments of weakness, they always encourage me, Omar, don't worry, stay trusting God. God has it. He is faithful. And so listen, whenever you see someone in your life having a little crisis of faith, don't look down on them. Let it be a moment you say, what? Take that moment to remind them of our faithful God. Amen? And here's the third one. We'll write this down so that see. Take actions that accord only to God's word. See, my encouragement is that you only take actions that are either explicitly found in God's word or implicitly. And here's what I mean by that. By the, by the, by the word explicitly, ex- explicitly, I mean if God's word says something, do this. Don't do this, then you as a child of God and you're waiting, do this and don't do this, amen? He's given us his word. Follow God's word. Take actions that accord to God's word. And the reason I say implicitly is because there are going to be certain moments, right, where God's word specifically does not address your specific situation. But here's what I would say. As you read God's word, right, Every day, as you're getting to know God, you're beginning to know the heart of God. And so what happens is that when you find yourself in those hard moments, after you've read God's word and understood who God is, ask yourself, 
Is it something that the Lord would approve? By me taking this action, by me saying this word, is this something that would please the Lord? And folks, this is so important because far too often there are many people who take action, say certain things, thinking that the Lord is approving something when reality is that according to God's word. Which is why it's so important, listen, that as a church family, we are growing in the knowledge of God's word. So that those moments come, you won't be confused. You will know the heart of God, and through the spirit of God, he will lead you to do exactly what he wants you to do as you wait on him. Can we praise God for that this morning? And so folks, let me end with this. You know, there's some of us here today who perhaps as you look through your life, you really haven't ever waited on the Lord. You've always taken matters into your own hands. And the reason you've done that is because the truth of the matter is that you don't have a relationship with God. You know of God, but you don't have a personal relationship with God. And for all your life, you've tried to do life on your own. And when you look at the history of your life, it has led you nowhere good. And you are sitting here right now, one of our campuses, you're watching online, and there's something in your sense, you know what, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of living apart from God. There's something in your sense, you know what, I need God. I don't know what it means, but I need to get right with God. I need a relationship with God because I'm tired of living a life apart from God. You're thinking, Omar, how can I start a relationship with the Lord? How can I take a step, get right with God? Because I need God in my life. Well, it was very simple. The Bible says this, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. They shall be saved from their sins. They shall be saved into a relationship with the Lord. You're probably sitting here wondering, well, Omar, how do you call on the Lord? Is it by me sitting here right now? Is it by doing some sort of ritual, some sort of tradition? No. The Bible says, listen, that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. See, there has to be a moment where you put your trust in the Lord where you realize that he lived a perfect life of obedience that you and I could never live. He lived that perfect life for you. And then he went to a cross, and on that cross, he suffered the punishment of our sin and all of our shame. He did that for you. He did that for me. And then three days later, he resurrected to new life to give us a future and a hope. And the Bible says that the moment that you put your trust and faith in Christ and what he did for you, here's what it does. It's amazing. First of all, he forgives you of all of your sin. Everything you walked in here today to one of our campuses and you were caring and you were ashamed of, listen, he forgives you of all of your sin. And then he goes and he brings you close and he makes you his own son and daughter. And from that moment, you start a personal relationship with God. When you hear from him, you talk to God. You walk with him, he walks with you. You start a personal relationship with God. And then he starts leading you through his word, and you start experiencing the life that God has for you. 
And that at the end of our life, as you're taking the last breath, you know, you can be secured that when you die, you will not go and spend eternity without him. You go and spend eternity with the Lord. Why? Because it's only through faith in Christ that we're able to have eternal life. And so listen, if you are here today and you're saying, you know, I need God. I need the Lord. Listen, if that's you, the question I want to pose for you is, will you put your trust in Christ today? This bar has for prayer. My Lord, we come before you, O Lord, and for those of us who have already trusted you as Savior, Lord, we're so grateful that even in our weakness, even when we have our little crisis of faith, Lord, we can trust in you. We can wait on you because you are a faithful God. So, Father, for our church family, I pray that you would strengthen our faith, that we would wait on you always, Lord. But with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to those of us here today at all of our campuses. Who well, you're ready. You are ready to take this step and say, you know what? I need God in my life. I'm going to give my life to the Lord today. I'm surrendering today. So if that's you, in a few moments, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And this prayer, it's not a poem. It's not a script. It's just me helping you talk to God for the very first time. So when you pray this, listen, you don't pray to me. I'm simply a man. I cannot save you. You pray to the God who loves you and gave his son to die on a cross for you because he loves you and he is waiting for you. So if that's you, you pray this along with me at all campuses. Lord, today I come before you. And Lord, I confess all of my sin. I ask you for forgiveness for everything I've done. And so today, Lord, I surrender my life. Today, Lord, I put my trust in what Jesus did for me at the cross. Save me today, Lord. Give me everlasting life, Lord. And then I start this relationship with you, this new life with you. Help me to always wait on you, God. And trust in your precious promises. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus I pray and all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.